0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Decentral Lounge, which is brought to you by Global Stake, your institutional, truly decentralized bare metal staking provider. But today we are very excited to have a wonderful guest on the show, uh, Mr. Mohawk Agarwal. Uh, Mohawk is the founder and CEO of Claystack, which is a next generation cryptocurrency staking platform which specializes in liquid staking. Mohawk, we're super excited to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited as well.
0: Of course, of course, love the background with Dubai there. Um, but hey before we get started, is there something that you uh, most people don't know about you that you can kind of get things
1: kicked off for us on? Um, I can start but it might seem like a flex. <laughs> uh, so there was this thing uh, which kind of like uh, a bit like special to me when it when it when it happened. So this was like 2020 uh, Larry Surmak from the block crypto. Uh, he was conducting a uh, like a crypto knowledge test. It was a seventy-five questions, seventy-five minutes test, uh, and a lot of people from like uh, senior partners from bunch of funds, like top funds, Ethereum researchers, a uh, bunch of other people participated in the in that test. Uh, and I think the best score at that time in that test was ninety-five um, percent in fourteen minutes. And like you were saying, these are the smartest minds in crypto. Uh, And then I took that test uh, and I scored uh, 100% in uh, in six and a half minutes.
0: (laughs) Wow, good lord.
1: Yeah, so that led to a lot of great conversations, a lot of great people.
0: I wouldn't even doubt the networking that would come from that. People would be like the crypto savant right over here. (laughs) (laughs) Come help us with our projects. That's actually a perfect segue, Mohawk. I'd love, uh, can you share with us kind of your journey into the cryptocurrency world? Uh, and what kind of led you here to today?
1: Sure, uh, my my formal background is in computer science, but I've uh, always been super intrigued about finance uh, since a very young age. I have been analyzing companies since a very young age. Uh, got a chance to work with a couple of hedge funds uh, after my computer science uh, to uh, develop some option hedging models. Then in traditional trading. So when I got into crypto in 2016, I felt like people around me were either too technically driven or too financially driven. And me having experience in both, uh, I felt like crypto is a strong coupling of finance and technology. So that gave, gave me a, like a lot of uh, head start uh, towards like uh, accruing a lot of value uh, from the early stages in crypto itself. So that was my journey. And then once I came in, to be honest, I will not be like the guy who will tell you that uh, I read the Bitcoin light paper and I had tears in my eyes and it was like the best thing ever. To be honest, I did that. I did not understand it. And I was like, "What is this mining thing?" Like, I could not understand it very well when I had it, like for the uh, for the first time. Then, uh, within a few weeks or something, then I started to learn more. And then, once I got the hang of it, then I'm like, the kind of uh, excitement that I will get in this space. There is nothing else, uh, or or there's no other space where I can even now imagine.
0: I love it. I love it. So then what are some of the key gaps or challenges that you kind of saw in the space as you got acclimated and started looking around that made you sit back and go, okay, hey, this is what Claystack, my vision could fix.
1: Yeah. So before Claystack, I mean, I started a Web3 fund and then I transformed that fund into a staking as a service company. So we were like valuating on uh, multiple layer ones. I was running I think at one point, like 100 valuators uh, as a one-man operation. Uh, then, uh, like, I thought, like, lockups were the biggest challenges in uh, or biggest challenge in staking. A lot of people would be disincentivized to stake at the first place if they're, like, big lockups. So initially, I started Claystack just to kind of unlock my layer-one liquidity. Uh, so I, uh, I created this. I showed it to a bunch of people. Then, people, oh, shit, this is, this is amazing. Like, why don't you productize it? Uh, and initially my idea was like, I was like looking for people who want to develop and I would just like invest in them. Uh, and then I could not find someone Then I'm like, who is better than me, myself. <laughs> so that's what like led me to start Claystack. Uh, and yeah.
0: So let's take a step back here. So for our listeners, many of them are institutional uh, players, such as hedge funds, VCs, family offices, et cetera, um, that might be new to the concept. Could you do us a favor and kind of explain what is liquid staking and how it differentiates from traditional staking?
1: Of course. Uh, in traditional staking environment, what happens is when you stake your assets, these are like, let's say, you go to a particular validator or you're running these nodes yourself. So um, either you delegate your stake to a validator or you run these nodes yourself. Um, and then, like, let's say every network has a different unbonding period for example for ethereum it's a very dynamic unbonding period depends upon the withdrawal so it could range from let's say 4 days to i mean months uh, before you can get that stake back so at any point of time if you decide that hey i have staked this eth on which i'm earning these yields now i want my ethereum back and the network will be like no 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 wait a minute you have to go through this unbonding period which could be pretty long uh, what liquid staking allows you to do is you come to Claystack, you deposit your ETH. In return, we give you a receipt token, CS ETH. Um, and the exchange rate between ETH and CS ETH keeps going up as we accrue more staking rewards. So uh, let's say napkin math, if the, uh, if the yearly yield is 4%, and let's say you were the first user on the platform, you deposited one ETH, you got one CS ETH. After a year, you came back with one CS ETH, you will get 1.04 ETH because of the 4% taking yield. So uh, that's like the um, advantage that uh you don't have any lockups and why you don't have any lockups is because CSETH, the receipt token that is completely fungible transferable and tradable so you can go on a dex uh to sell it at any given point of time uh you can go to DeFi uh to lend these uh tokens to to borrow like stable coins eth or whatever and then like run it again you got you can have leverage on it so there are like additional yield opportunities that it generates uh, and at the same time gives you like the full flexibility and liquidity so that's like the difference between staking and liquid staking. And then I can go around like traditional liquid staking versus clay stack liquid staking. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So uh, now, uh, I mean, when when we started, obviously it was not very competitive. Now liquid staking does have a, a fair bit of competition, which is very healthy for the space. Uh, but the challenge is like liquid staking, unfortunately, has been one of those few spaces where the rate of innovation has been um, kind of like disgustingly lowest. Uh, Every protocol just kind of creates another version of uh, like Lido without any clear path towards decentralization end up becoming more centralized than Lido. Um, So what we do is uh, we have a modular DVT-based architecture. DVT is distributed value technology So now imagine... A node being run, whenever you stake your Ethereum, the node is running somewhere in some server by someone. So if, let's say, that server goes down or if that person is not like operating that node well, then you will start missing attestations, you will start missing checkpoints, you will start missing rewards. And in order to do this, if you want to automate this, let's say you have a backup machine ready, uh, there is a chance of double slashing or double signing, sorry, double signing, which can slash your node. Uh, and that has pretty brutal penalties so a lot of people like struggle uh, that's why you will see there are only few top tier validators that people want to trust versus solo stakers, people don't want to trust so what we did was we want to have like solo stakers in this journey so with dvt distributed validator technology what happens is every node is being run by multiple operators so imagine like consensus within the node itself um, so we we have like clusters of four right now so let's say if Uh, one of the operator in the cluster is offline or down, the other three are online, then they will keep variating. You will not miss any rewards. Uh, So the chance of uh, missing rewards goes very low. And if due to any reason, let's say uh, two operators are offline, you can rebuild these clusters very fast. So you can say, okay, you two are offline. Let me bring you two new guys uh, in this cluster. And then this cluster is online again. Versus in a traditional setup, if let's say you are on a vacation and your machine is down, you can't do anything um so that's why people are always like careful and then uh, the risk of slashing is also very low because in order to get slashed all the operators in the cluster have to do the same malicious activity they have to coordinate uh and there is no um not even like an incentive to do that so it's very far-fetched so you get like very very high fault tolerance so that's one uh what we have done now um still as a protocol what um, like you you don't want to have any risk on the protocol if any operator or multiple operators are like offline at the same time to overcome that risk most protocols what they do is that hey if you want to become my validator you have to put a collateral at stake that if you are offline or if you're not performing your de- duties well then i'm going to like take money from your uh, collateral we call it bond uh, the lowest bond so ethereum as you know like every validator requires 32 eth uh, and most protocols have not been able to reduce this bond below 4 eth which is probably okay for crypto bros but uh but like uh 4 ETH is a lot of money it's like ten thousand dollars you can't expect a home staker or even an infra company to invest so much capital uh on a uh, on like a Unless they are like super bullish on ETH, uh, it becomes extremely difficult to scale that validator set. So what we did was we created, created this unique concept called VFPs, which is validator funding providers. So think of them as capital underwriters or risk underwriters in the system. Uh, who can so we what we do is we sync the performance of every validator on L2s. So you can join on testnet today, you can start raking up a lot of performance. So then we'll have like tiered pools of validators or clusters where uh, you, let's say Jordan uh, has ETH and the highest yield that you can earn on ETH right now is 3.8%. And then let's say I created a cluster where I have like, let's say two professional validators, uh, and one, uh, let's say Ryan is another validator who has been performing his duties very well uh, on testnet. Now Jordan comes to this cluster and see, okay, it's a very low risk cluster. Even if first of all, Ryan is performing very well, but if due to any reason Ryan is not performing, we can rebuild these clusters very fast uh so we're like hey we require four ETH bond in this cluster jordan is like yeah i'm willing to lend you uh this four ETH just for this specific purpose um if there is any slashing happens i'm willing to take that risk which is low but at the same time i'm a shark like i want uh i'm i want the worth of this ETH. uh and the man is like okay we'll give you 5.5 percent yield instead of 4 percent yield and john is like okay that seems like nice uh, approach so it creates kind of that um, that healthy mechanism by which we can make the validator set actually permissionless without hitting any scalability issues which most of the prot- protocols st- struggle they get like initial few uh, kind of tens of or hundreds hundreds of millions of tvl and then after that they're like okay now how do we decentralize this there's no way so now uh, they become another lido
2: I had a follow up question. Mohawk. That was really interesting. All of it was quite fascinating. Um, So and maybe you mentioned it. And I didn't hear it. What's the specific minimum that would be required to to do this on Claystack? Because I've seen that threshold that you referenced with regard to the four ETH and that we need less and less. That was part one part of the question. But the other part of the question I was kind of want to ask was there's a lot of interest now in using these liquid staking tokens in a double layer, like with EigenLayer, for instance, where people are taking these, like in your case, the CS ETH, and they could theoretically lock it up in something like EigenLayer. So, where do you see this all maturing? Because like, we're in this really interesting inflection point with liquid staking and how people are using it for capital efficiency and everything else. Um, you know, do you see that this is going this model of like EigenLayer and other people using this as a secondary staking token? Do you think that'll continue to proliferate into the future?
1: Sure. So I'll start with the the first question uh, around the bond requirement. Uh, in terms of like any users depositing uh, ETH on Claystack, we don't have any minimum. You can deposit as low as 0.01 ETH. Uh, for a validator. like the bond requirement, uh, as I said, like, uh, like there has always been competition that what could be the lowest bond? <laughs> and uh, we have pushed the boundaries now for us like it's 0 ETH. Because uh, VFPS can underwrite these bonds, so no one can go below zero. Uh, we are like, and that's why like it took us so much time for us uh, to to build this architecture. We did not want to release it before the withdrawals were live, because I felt like anyone who has launched pre merge or pre withdrawals has a lot of technical debt, which can never be repaid. Like then you you are stuck in a situation where you can't like fix the engine of a running car with like TVL. So we wanted to make sure everything is ready and we are building this uh, architecture which can last uh, like years, not like uh, just a, just a few weeks or months uh, in, the, in the bull market. So that's one. Uh, second around restaking, I've been uh, following the uh, restaking discussions uh, for almost uh, one and a half years now or maybe like uh, almost two years uh, from the early days itself. Um, it's very interesting for sure. Uh, the the concept sounds amazing uh in theory that borrowing security from eth uh, to build other applications uh the challenge is uh, obviously it will mature with time uh the one challenge is like finding use cases who are willing to pay um like how do you generate this extra yield you have to find use cases who are willing to pay that fee like one example would be let's say um, let's say you want to build an oracle uh, you were like hey I don't want to have this oracle governed by my own governance token i want want it to be governed by the healthiest asset on planet which is ethereum uh so let me kind of take the restate eth let me ask all the validators in my uh oracle ecosystem to bring their staked eth the challenge is like in the early days of a protocol you don't generate enough revenue probably like you'll generate like uh i think chainlink for the first year i don't know how much revenue was there maybe like 100,000 or even lesser so it's very hard to give like any extra yield to these eth stakers so what i feel is like uh we are we are like monitoring it very closely we are uh we are seeing like uh, we have a very modular architecture so we can enable like restaking layer whenever we want uh so yeah like we have these the ideas that will make the core pro- protocol immutable and all these modular layers will be upgradable uh, so that we are not like stuck anywhere. We can like uh, do the advancement in the, uh, in the technology, but at the same time have the enough security that is required. So I feel like in the early days of uh, restaking, a lot of this will be like fueled by airdrops, governance tokens uh and, I wish, like uh, I'm just hoping that uh, that would be enough to find that escape velocity. And if the if this concept finds that escape velocity, then there will be tons of use cases uh, where it can be used. But uh, time will tell that uh, the escape velocity will be found or not. the The other challenge is, um, like we have to see. Um, like we have to be very responsible it it seems like kind of like 2008 again uh to some extent where like <laughs> you are creating like layers on top of layers and layers and layers and then people are not like looking at the deepest layer they are looking at the like the top layer which is like, like the triple a bond and they're like things are great uh so my my only worry is that it does not create a situation where uh like people are just designing into um, like Eigen layer then ryan layer then jordan layer then mohawk layer it has to stop something.
2: <laughs> well, that's that was a really wonderful answer. And that was the one thing that, because it seems that's what people are doing. Like they're now trying to to use your word, degen into these governance tokens and airdrops because they're wanting to, you know, get into a liquid staking token that has yet to come out with any kind of governance token, you know, like LIDO or what have you. And then they want to put it in EigenLayer or something like that, trying to. So we're already in the... The metaphor you used of the stacking of the older financial products that we saw in 2008 that got us to all that trouble was very enlightening because there seems to be robust debate around the use. I mean, even Vitalik himself has, has expressed concerns around restaking. So that was a great response and something that I got a lot out of. So thank you. That's
0: a wonderful way to elucidate your thoughts on that. Appreciate it. I got a question. So Claystack's notably um, focused on ETH, which makes sense. That's where a majority of the market is playing right now. But with a lot of these other large um, ecosystems, such as Cosmos, Avalanche, Solana, even, uh, do you guys have plans on expanding Polkadot, et cetera, into other types of liquid staking?
1: Yeah, so we need... It is a multi-chain liquid staking protocol. Uh, Our first implementation was on Polygon. We were the first ones to do Matic liquid staking trustlessly on both uh, Ethereum as well as Polygon. Whereas like the Matic staking happens only on Ethereum. Uh, We are a very lean team, very focused team. Our primary focus is on Ethereum. But at the same time now, um, like we have been looking at emerging markets very, very closely. The thing is like last one and a half years, if you saw like uh, the inflows of probably um, like 40 layer one combines, uh, combined was lesser than Ethereum. But now probably that's changing because every other emerging ecosystem is now growing. Like, um, yeah, like for example, coming back to what Ryan was saying around these uh, degen activity that is happening like in crypto, because the last one and a half years, probably from April 2022 on May 2022 to let's say October 2023, the activity was very low. So people, people like just like kind of very excited as soon as they saw like as soon as their friend came in hey i i made 10x in this meme coin they're like oh now i want to be in the next one so uh (laughs) um there's like a lot of excitement the activity in a lot of these chains have started again uh so we have been looking very closely and um we have strong plans to to go on other chains as well with primary focus on ethereum
0: Awesome, exciting. Um, so, kind of a pivot question here for you. From a user experience perspective, most institutions, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll dumb this layer down for most people that are listening. Um, when you have your assets and funds um, locked into a custodian, it's very similar to having your real world assets like US dollars in a bank account. But if you want to go out and interact with the economy, you need some form of like a debit card or a credit card. So, interacting with platforms like yours, people, typically can't just use the funds that are directly from a custodian. They have to use some type of a Web3 wallet, whether it's Coinbase Prime's Web3 wallet, MetaMask, et cetera. So jumping off of that, how do users interact with you? What is the actual user experience? If somebody has their funds sitting in, let's say, a Web3 wallet, a MetaMask, how would they interact with your dad?
1: Yeah. So even though liquid staking is a very big market, it's still kind of a niche in that sense that um, like you need to be uh, to be honest, like we tried to kind of, we we have made it very simple, but still you need to have like MetaMask installed. You need to have gas fee. So we support like all the leading wallets. We support like multi-sigs. And then at the same time for institutions um, or anyone like who has Fireblocks, we support that as well because it, it allows you to interact with any custom smart contracts. But what I feel is like, The pivot point, uh, which is going to happen in a couple of years for liquid staking is, so liquid staking has three primary risks. One is uh, the smart contract risk that exists overall in DeFi. Second is the slashing risk, uh, which can be uh, insured today as well. Uh, To some extent, uh, it's not cost effective right now. And third is the price risk, that if the asset that you're staking, the price goes down by, let's say, 40%, you've lost probably 10-year yield um and again that risk is also hedgeable but uh not uh today so in a couple of years when the these three risks can be hedged then like there is a big opportunity to build a structured yield product uh the u.s treasury bills yield is not going to remain where they are and that will be the time where you can give like stable yields to institutions endowments pension funds uh and then you will see like inflow of trillions of dollars with etf coming up um so uh, i think Because like I can go in detail like how these three risks can be hedged, but probably like for some other day, but uh, I'm pretty sure that these uh, the cost of hedging these risks will come certainly like very, very low uh, and then like the opportunity will grow. But today, uh, no matter how hard someone tries, it is still kind of because for a regular person like installing MetaMask, buying ETH for gas, that itself is a painful process. like probably account abstraction will solve some of it, but still, uh, it like the, 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 the first entry point of like getting ETH for gas that remains the same. You, you cannot avoid it.
0: That makes sense. Um, so then out of curiosity, are there any upcoming features or developments that you're particularly excited about either just in like the ecosystem in general or stuff that you're personally working on at Claystack?
1: Uh, first of all like i'm very excited about our v2 when we make this vfp uh live uh and like the solo staker campaign that we want want to launch uh very soon and apart from that like what i'm really kind of looking forward to especially like new year is coming is um as i was like touched base before that like crypto came in to kind of remove uh control from all these intermediaries and or like kind of for people to trust in themselves like to understand the systems and it still feels like 2008 again uh, where for example like in terms of centralized liquid staking where one protocol has so much stake uh, which can even like affect the consensus of the chain itself what people see is oh it's all by tier one validator and it's all insured whereas it's not all insured very little fraction of it is insured there has to be if there is one slashing event that can have such a catastrophic effects uh, on STE, Like it can it can kill all the DeFi. Probably Ethereum will have to do a hard fork. Uh, and we survived that in 2016, this time we'll not survive that. So I hope like people start assessing these risks as real risk because that's what happened in 2008, that there were all the signals, but it's like, oh, Moody's have given great rating to this bond, like then it must be good. I'm, I'm definitely like looking something wrong or I'm overly concerned. Uh, but uh, we all know that was, wasn't the case and that is the case with liquid staking. So yeah, I hope like people start looking at it more seriously that like it can actually affect the chain consensus.
0: Very good point. Very good point. Well, Mohawk, it's been great catching up with you today. Loved uh, meeting you at the Staking Awards Summit in Istanbul. Um your booth was buzzing, man—absolutely buzzing. People were excited about liquid staking, excited about your differentiator. Um, for those of you that are listening and want to figure out, hey, how can I reach out to Mohawk? Reach out to him on LinkedIn as well as go to their website. It's uh, claystack.com or app.claystack.com. If you want to immediately start interacting um, and staking your ETH and, and getting some CS liquid staked ETH, uh, Mohawk. I would
1: prefer. There? I would prefer like people reaching out on Twitter than LinkedIn. <laughs> I rarely I check like LinkedIn messages. No, Twitter.
0: Twitter. there you go reach out reach out to mohawk what's your what's your handle
1: uh mohawk agr
0: awesome yeah awesome.
1: and by the way like uh, i still have the that beanie that you gave me during staking Rewards summit that was the best merch that i had <laughs>
0: <laughs> appreciate that yeah the, the globe and the stake on it it was yeah. uh, a little cheeky <laughs> well mohawk appreciate it loved having you on today uh for those of you listening please go check out uh clay stack uh and we'll catch you all next time on another episode of the central lounge
1: Thanks for having me, it was a pleasure.